Good to see all your beautiful little faces out there. Love it. Well, we are continuing a series today called The Slow Lane, and uh, I want to get right to it because I have lots of things I want to say, and uh, and so I want to get right to it. But um, let me read our series verse, which is in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 25. This is in the message version, and I just want you to as I say this, just, just kind of let it be for you today, okay? Uh, this is the prophet Jeremiah speaking, and I believe he's speaking to you and me today just like he was to Israel back then. And so, so hear these words from the prophet. He says, slow down. Take a deep breath. Everybody do that. Just go, <sighs> so good. What's the hurry, he says. Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? What's going on that you're moving at such a pace, you know? And, and so this verse really became the, the, the place uh, of germination for me as I started to think about a new way of seeing the world a little bit in my own life and, and maybe, maybe for you as well, that in our lives, maybe just maybe we're moving too fast that we're moving at a particular pace that keeps us from being able to sometimes hear God, to experience it all, to experience life uh, at the level that God wants us to experience life. And so everybody wants to be in the fast lane, but I really believe the slow lane is where it's at. I believe that's where God wants us because here's the reality. As I look around the scriptures, as I look around the gospel, Jesus was never in a hurry. Like, if you just look at the story, I'm not making it up. He just wasn't in a hurry. It was never reported to us that Jesus was in a place where he was fearful, anxious. You know, he didn't know if he could make it. The schedule was so tight that he didn't think he was going to get to that healing service or that miracle. You know, it just, it just didn't happen. So Jesus was never in a hurry. And if that's the case, then, then maybe just maybe we need to model our lives a little bit more after that than something else. In a world that is moving so fast, maybe it's a good reminder that Jesus was never in a hurry. Matter of fact, I'd go as far as to say that they, the doctors around us have, has, have identified something called hurry sickness. And this hurry sickness is affecting us. And, and, and the thing that it does, and we talked about this last week, the thing that it affects is it actually affects our relationship with God. It affects our relationships with one another it affects our ability to even hear God or, 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 or know what he's about or even see people where they are. It's just, and matter of fact, it even goes a step further and it affects something called approval. That some of us are running at such a pace because we're trying to prove something. That we're trying to get somebody or something or some person from our past even to say, yeah, you're good. I affirm you. And we run and we run and we go faster and faster and, and, and the life that we really want is right outside of our grasp, but, but we just can't grab it because the reality is, is we're just in the wrong lane. We're moving too fast. And so I want to encourage you to slow down. I want to encourage you to put your blinker on and begin to merge on over to the slow lane. You know that place that you don't want to be? You know, where all those people are that, that are standing in your way of progress. You know, 
You don't want to go over into that lane, but I'm telling you, there's something special about the slow lane. And one of the ways that we get there is by making prayer a priority, that we put prayer first in our life. And like I said last week, I touched on this, but I believe that prayer is a critical component to that because it's when we pray, we start to remember things that are true. We start to see things different. We start to listen a little bit more. We, 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 we allow God to say, hey, 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 what are you, why are you moving so fast? You know? And, and it's in those moments of prayer that we start to see that God really wants us to begin to merge. He wants us to begin to merge over. Why? So that we can hear what he has to say. If I don't know God's voice, if I can't determine his voice, if I'm moving so fast that I can't even hear him, how in the world am I going to make good decisions? How in the world am I going to make wise decisions? How am I going to keep my anxiety, fear, worry, whatever else you want to add to the list in check if I'm not hearing from the Lord? Because I want to stay in this lane. I want to do it myself. I want to be in control. I want to go fast because fast is where it's at. Right? And God's asking us to merge. God's asking us to begin to merge. And, and, and part of the reason that is is because God knows that in the slow lane, that's where we find the life that he promised us. Listen to this in John 10, 10. You've probably heard it. I've said it like my, I can't even tell you how many times I've said this verse to somebody. John 10, 10 says this. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. So what is the thief's purpose? <laughs> to steal, kill, and destroy. And a lot of times what I've found is that we seem to only see this in the category of like monetary things. You know, he stole my bike and now I'm mad. You know, somebody stole my wallet and I'm upset. But do we put it in the category of that maybe just maybe the enemy wants to steal something from you? Matter of fact, that it's happening in this world right now that he wants to steal your peace. By, by asking you, uh, by pushing you to fear. That, that, that perhaps the enemy, in his commitment, Jesus tells us to steal, kill, and destroy. What he's really wanting to steal, kill, and destroy, even right now, is your peace. That he's trying to take that away from you. And yet Jesus says, second sentence of 1010, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So those stand in opposite to each other. They're opposed to one another. They're not on the same page. The enemy wants you to fear, wants to steal everything that God wants to give you, and yet Jesus says, hey, 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 if you begin to merge, if you begin to go over on this side of it, if you, if you get in the slow lane and stay there, I believe that there's a life there for you that's abundant, that's full, that's satisfying. Man, I need that. I need that in the midst of a world that seems to be losing their mind. I need that. I need to be able to come back to center when everything around me is off. Because my God, his activity, his character, his attributes, all of them 
are not contingent on my circumstance. They're not changing because the world is in a situation. God's not freaked out by the situation. He's more than able. And when I'm in the slow lane, I'm reminded of that fact. I'm reminded of his goodness for me, his goodness to me, his goodness for me, his hope for me, the future that he wants to give me, satisfying, full. Come on, who wants some of that today? That's what we need. That's what we need. And so we've got to begin to merge. We've got to begin to merge, but we've got to ask ourselves, in order to stay in the slow lane, we've got to ask ourselves a hard question, a really hard question. It's, a, it's an important question. And so I want to ask you it today. And if you're here, like, I didn't come for hard questions. I'm like, I get it. I can't. Ha- I know. But I have this question that I think every Jesus follower, every person that wants to be connected with the God that loves them, and perhaps that's you, you have to be able to or willingly be willing to ask this question on a regular basis. And here it is. How's your soul? How is your soul today? Now, I want to zero in on soul because I think we have a misconception of what that is. And it's important we look at it. And I'm going to have to dissect a few things and get a little detailed. Are you guys okay for that? You got enough coffee in it for you? You're okay. All right, all right. And so if I'm ever going to live in the slow lane consistently, I have to recognize that an ungoverned life will rob me of the abundant life that the slow lane provides. That, that, that if I live an ungoverned life in these areas I'm about to talk about, that it will rob me from the abundant life that comes from living in the slow lane. Now, I don't know if you guys play golf. Some of you play golf. I haven't found a lot of golfers in this church. I like to play golf, but, but I know there's a few of you out there, and uh, perhaps you've seen these things called golf carts. <laughs> you ever seen these things? I mean, they're crazy, but, but, and, and perhaps you've driven one. I mean, they're fun to drive, but the thing you know about golf carts is that they have something on them called a governor. A governor is what keeps them from going too fast. Now, it's really fun when you pull the governor off a go-kart. I mean, not a go-kart, a golf cart, sorry. A golf cart, because it can do all kinds of things. Then they're a little unstable and tip over, you know, but it's fun. It's fun. But the governor is there to keep you from going a certain speed. For some reason, golfers don't like people going fast on their golf courts. Yeah, I don't know why that is. They got all kinds of ethics, you know, in, in golf. And, but, but if you take the governor off, you can go as fast as you want. But there is a governor on there to keep you where you need to be going, like at the speed you need to be going. And the point is, is that we have to live with certain governors in our life in order to stay in the lane that God wants us to stay in. Does that make sense? And so use that as an illustration for a moment as we start to talk about our design. See, God created you with a particular design. God created you, and you may not know this, with three distinct parts. Did you know it? You may not even know that. But listen to this in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he says it this way in verse 23. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Man, I love that I serve a God who is the God of peace. (laughs) He is the God of peace. 
And he says that he wants to make me holy, that he's committed to making me better. And then he says this, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. In other words, the Bible believes that Jesus is coming back. But in the meantime, God is in the process of giving me peace, making me whole, making sure that all three parts of me are moving in the right direction. Some people might call that alignment. That if you could get all three of those things doing what they're supposed to do, that it brings alignment, spiritual order, spiritual alignment to my life. And if I get that, I will be less likely while I'm in the slow lane to begin to merge or, or out of, when you're out of alignment, you begin to merge over into the fast lane. That makes sense? And so this spiritual order stuff is really important. And so very clearly, Paul tells us that, that he wants to make sure our whole spirit and soul and body are blameless, that they're in alignment. And so God created you with three parts. And here are the three things that have to be done in our lives. Number one, a spirit, this part of me, a spirit must be redeemed. That my spirit has to be redeemed. God created me three with three distinct parts. One of them is a spirit that needs to be redeemed. Number two is a soul that must be restored. And number three is a body that must submit. Now let me say that all again because I, I want to make sure you get this. Is that I have a spirit that must be redeemed. I have a soul that must be restored. And a body that must submit. And that language is there intentionally to help you see what spiritual order should look like. And we're going to talk about that in more depth, but it's so important you get this, that you have three distinct parts. And the goal of your life is to be in order, or, or might I say, in alignment. Because when you're in alignment, you can go straight. If you're not in alignment, you can't go straight. And so if you're in the slow lane, you can stay in that slow lane and go straight. But if you're out of alignment, you'll start to eek one way or the other. I guess you'll go over here and crash and burn or you'll go into the fast lane. I mean, that's your choice. And so we have to see that this order really matters. Now, I'm going to say a couple of fancy theological words, but you've got to stay with me, okay? When the Bible says that a spirit must be redeemed, what's being talked about is that you are justified before God. That you are justified by the finished work of Jesus. It's not by any work that you've done. Because if it was by your work, you could redeem yourself. But that's not true. The Bible says you can't redeem yourself. You have to be redeemed by Christ. Because he is the bridge builder to your relationship with God. That's why this is so important. And it's so important you understand that that is a part of the process. That's where it starts. That's the beginning of it all. And so right there, we see that we're supposed to be justified before God. Some people would say it's like if you, if you put something in the pawn shop, if you hawk something. Do we say hawked anymore? I don't even know. <laughs> but, but, but you hawk something at the pawn shop uh, and you leave it there. I guess they give you some money or whatever. But if you come back to get that thing, you are now redeeming what you had hawked. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you are redeeming. The bill has been paid in full. 
And so what's happening with my spirit, when my bill has been paid in full, when I've been fully redeemed by God, is now that I, now I am being connected back to the source. I'm being connected to the one that can help me. The one that can help me see spiritual insights. The one that can help me make good choices to know the difference between right and wrong. These are the things that start to happen. A foundation is being built in that moment in my spirit. And the point of spiritual order is that God is trying to help us see that when our spirit is strong, the spirit becomes the command center. And the command center starts barking orders. And the spirit, when it's strong, starts barking orders to my soul, which is the seed of a lot of things. And I'll explain in just a moment. And that's why I want us to answer the question, how's your soul? But it starts barking orders at my soul and it starts barking orders at my body, trying to get everything in alignment so that I can live in the slow lane, so that I can live in the presence of God. Because see, God's desire for you, whether you know it or not, is not just to save you, not just to redeem you, not just to justify you. God's plan also is while you still have breath is to sanctify you. You're like, whoa, everybody say sanctified. Yeah, you got to get a little growl in your voice when you say that. Sanctified, ha, ha. Yeah, that's, and, and, and all that means is that I'm being made into the image of God. That it's this gradual process of God transforming me and making me more like Jesus. Let me tell you what this church is about. Our church is about seeing people transformed by Jesus. That is our mission. We not only want to see people saved, we want to see people transformed. We want to see people being transformed. We want to see the process of sanctification, that gradual process that's happening in our lives. We want to see that happening in everybody that would stand up and say, I am redeemed. Because see, if you're not redeemed, if you start trying to fix yourself, good luck. If you start trying to be like Jesus without the first step, without being justified and connected to the one that can help you, you're in trouble. You'll just become more religious and more frustrated. And so you've got to get the redemption part right, but then you have to understand that there's a process that God has us in. And when we get this spiritual order right, we can participate in that process in a very healthy way. And we can start to understand spiritual insights and truths. We can start to know the difference between right and wrong and really understand God's voice when we slow down, when we're not moving at 90 miles an hour, we can start to hear God's voice and start to apply that into our lives and see things happen. Now, next week, I'm going to focus in on making our spirit strong. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on that next week. So come back next week and we're going to go there. But this week, I want to focus in on the soul. I'm not even going to talk about the body. Some of you are like, thank God he's not talking about the body today. But I want you, I want you to see today how important this question is. How's your soul? See, an ungoverned, let me, let me say it this way. An ungoverned soul will rob us of the abundant life found in the slow lane. An ungoverned soul will rob us of the abundant life that Jesus promises us when we live in the slow lane. And so, so what, are you, what, are you, what are you saying? I'm saying that if we don't handle the soul, 
it will take us off the rails. If we don't handle our soul, we will end up in the fast lane or in the ditch. If we don't ask the question and really deal with the soul, it will begin to pull us and steal, kill, and destroy everything that God wants us to have. And I don't know about you, but as I look around, I feel like we're living in a world that's struggling, fearful. You know what I'm talking about, right? You've seen the news. It's everywhere. It's all over the place. And so I, I, I felt like as I looked at this, I, this COVID-19 was a great opportunity for us. And I know it's hard to see it that way because you're like, what are you saying? I'm saying that this is an opportunity for believers to step into it. Because everything in your life, everything around you wants you to know, it's like, run for your lives! Run, right? Hide! Do everything you can because the apocalypse is happening right before your eyes. Is that not true? Am I making this up? And, and so here's my point. If my spirit was strong, I could deal with that properly. True? If my spirit was telling my soul what to do, I could deal with that properly. If my spirit was telling my body what to do, I could deal with that properly. And so the point that I'm trying to get is that we understand how important spiritual order is to your success. Spiritual order is so important to you living the abundant life that's found in the slow lane. Does that make sense? Okay. Now I want to read something to you that I, I found in Galatians this week. I read through the Bible every year, and, and this is one of the, the verses that I've been reading in Galatians lately, and, and you may have read it as well. I don't know where, what you're reading, but, but I, I read this verse, and I want to read it to you. In Galatians 6, 1, listen to this. Paul is writing to the church, and he says this. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, look at this, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back, where? Onto the right path. Do you see it? That you should help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Because how often in our lives that we're trying to help somebody else, it pulls us in. You know what I mean? So what's that passage saying? It, it's, it seems pretty clear to me that if a believer is overcome with sin, we're supposed to help them. We're supposed to do something about it, right? We're supposed to make sure they move out of the fast lane into the slow lane again. But it says if they're overcome by sin, some sin. Now, I don't know about you, but we know what sin is, right? I mean, let's think about this. Okay, so if God says, no, don't do this, and we do it, that is what the Bible would describe, I think, as sin. Would that be fair? Is that fair? So in other words, if it's a, it's a, it's a known law of God that we say, uh -uh. The Bible then would say, well, then now you're out of alignment. Now you've, you've, you've sinned. Here's the thing that's really kind of interesting to me. How many times in the Bible does God say not to fear? 
He doesn't say, hey, if, uh, if you want to. He doesn't suggest it. He, he says, don't fear. Now, I know that God knew when he said that, that there were problems in the world. Problems were all over the world, and yet God still says to us in his word many, many times, do not fear. So if God says, do not fear, and I decide to do it, that would mean that I'm... Now, now I know saying that, that they're like, Pastor, this is not cool, because I, I sin all the time then. I know. I'm your pastor. But I don't think we put fear in that category. And look, I'm not talking about doing things wise, and I'm not saying any of that. I'm just simply saying that the Bible says don't do it, and if we do it, then it's sin. And so as your pastor, I just have to do what Paul's telling me to do. He says, in a gently and humbly way, come before you and get you back on the right path. So today, I'm here to help you get back on the right path. In the midst of all the things that are out there, all the stuff that we're dealing with, all the challenges that we're facing, I'm here to try and get you on the path because this is the thing that I experience and this is the thing that you experience as well. I'll show it to you. This is my faith meter, so to speak. Okay? This is my little dial. You see it? See what I'm doing here? I got a dial. It's my faith dial. And what happens in my life, and it's probably true in your life, is that when I start listening to all the things around me, and I'm not even saying some of them are true, but when I become obsessed with the problem, when I start to focus on all the problems around me, my faith dial starts to go down. You know what I'm talking about? Like if you sat in front of the television for 24 hours, there's a good chance that your faith dial is going down because the world around you is going to hell in a handbasket. Everything's going down. We're all going to die. I mean, you, so, so what happens is that the faith dial starts to go down. And it was like God just showed me this image. But when I turn on maybe like a worship song, it's crazy. Just that little move allows my faith dial to start coming up. It's crazy how quickly it works. Like I was on my way to church this morning and I was thinking about this sermon I got to give and, and, and I'm listening to this song and, and, and right then as I feel like, oh, I got a lot to do. I got a lot of, oh, I got to deal with all the, 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 the song says lean on Jesus. And it's like all of a sudden I start to be reminded again that I have to lean on the one. I got to lean on the one that can actually help me and, 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 and see, and see the thing that we can't do as a church in the midst of all the stuff, the disease and everything that's coming against us. The thing that we can't do is, 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 is begin to pull back. Because here, listen, our world needs the church more than ever. When, when everybody's losing it, we got to be open. We got to be the ones standing up and saying, look, I get it. And we may all go down. But there's a God who's able. 
There's a God that's able to deal with your fear. He's able to deal with sickness and disease. There's all these things that are out there, but our God is not somehow crippled by them. That, that, that I'm called to press into it. And the thing is, is, is if, if, if this is true, the meter's true, that, that, that if I start to go down and down and down and down, if people stop coming to the church house, what could happen? The meter starts going down and down and down and down. And then everybody is in that place. And I just believe in my heart that part of the reason you're here today is that you want to hear something. That you want to hear something that lifts you up. That you can remember again how good God is. And that's what our world needs. He needs you full of that. So that when you go out into the world, you can remind people of it. That we move towards the mess because we're followers of Jesus. And sometimes we just want to go back and I get it. I don't want to get the sickness to you. I don't want it. No one wants it. But here's the thing I know that God is still God. Even if I have it, that God is still for me, he's with me. And even if I go to my grave, I still get to spend eternity with him forever because he is, he is true to his word. Listen to this. If you don't believe me, Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 1, 20 through 21. I'm going to read through the message. Listen to this. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. Isn't that good? That all the promises that are out there, they get stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray. The great amen. God's yes and our yes, gloriously evident. And what he's talking about is that we're coming together and we're in agreement, we're in alignment, we're living in the slow lane because we know who God is. We know that he's faithful. We know that he's true to his promises. And it says that God affirms us, making us, making, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. I love that. I love that God is true to his word. And so as your pastor, I have to just come alongside you and humbly help you get back on the right path. Now, I know some of you have been in the slow lane all week, but some of you started to, Venture over into the fast lane. Some of you got a little out of alignment and you started to move towards it. And I just want to say, hey, let's get back in alignment. Let's get our order right. Let's begin to do this right because the world needs it. The world needs a testimony, a testimony of a God who can do, who is more than able. Don't, don't you think that? And so Galatians tells us, I got to help you. But then watch this in Galatians 6, just a few verses later. Don't be misled. You can't mock justice. You can't mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And so, guys, I'm asking you today, how's your soul? I'm asking you to check your gauges today. I'm asking you to look at where you're at. Because here's the thing, whether you like it or not, to live in fear is sin, and it's something we've got to address. The other piece of that is if I sow fear in my life, I will reap Fear. And so my point is, guys, we've got to see this. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. And so whatever I'm sowing, I will reap. And I just thought, you know what? This, this, this COVID-19 seems like a good case study, doesn't it? To apply this seems like a good case study to me. 
And so I'm asking you today to check your gauges. I'm asking you to begin to look at your gauges and say, okay, what do they look like? Well, here's, the, here's how we're going to do it. Your soul is three parts. It's important you see this. Your soul is three parts. And I've got a couple of questions I want you to ask in each of these parts. The first part of your soul is your mind. This is your thinking and your reasoning. This is where you have your thoughts. These are, this is where you bring in your facts and your brain does its computing and you spit out things. And you know what I'm getting at. It's the, it's the reason of your life. It's the thinking of your life. And the Bible says in Proverbs 2.10, for, for wisdom will enter into your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. I love that. In other words, that the knowledge and wisdom that comes into my life leads to joy. It leads to a greater way of seeing things. Now that's curious because can't you get knowledge? Can't you get things that aren't good news? Like, you're like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. If I'm getting knowledge and understanding that, that's bad, how in the world am I going to have joy? That's interesting. Because joy is found in a person. And his name is Jesus. It's not contingent on the bad news or the good news. News is just news. And when God is on the throne of your life, when you are governed by God and Jesus, you're in the slow lane and you may get bad news. You may find out your engine's not working. And that's frustrating, isn't it? But God is still God. Even when there's sickness and chaos and disease, God is still God. And so here's the question I have for you today. And you can write this down and take it home or, you know, read it later or think about it. But here's the question that I think as we begin to check our gauges, here's the question. What... What lies am I believing that are informing my thinking and increasing my fear? What lies am I grabbing hold of that are informing my thinking and increasing my fear? Guys, there's lots of stuff out there. I mean, we, have, I mean, we literally have 24-hour news cycles. And a lot of times it's not even news. It's just people telling you their opinion. I mean, you know that, right? I mean, a lot of news today is opinions. And I'm not saying their opinions are bad. I'm just saying it doesn't necessarily make it factual. And it's something we have to see. We can't just allow things in our brain. I have some articles that, that do you know that they can manipulate data? Did you know that? Did you know that they can manipulate statistics to fit their end? I don't know. I mean, some of you are smarter than me, but that's, that's real. And so here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that what's being said isn't true. There, there's absolutely, there's truth out there, okay? Our job is to try and find it, not just to absorb everything that's said. And so part of reasoning, part of thinking is being able to do that, right? And so, so we have to be able to see truth if we're ever going to come to good conclusions. And see, faith is based in truth. A lot of times people are like, well, you're just one of them faith people. You're just one of them faith people. You know, you're, you're that kind of person that doesn't believe in truth. You don't believe in facts. Well, that's just stupid. That's not true at all. My faith is based in reality. My faith is based in truth. My faith is based in a God who made the thing. And you don't think I've got some facts and some truth to go with it? 
But yet people are like, oh, those faith people, they're, gonna, they're causing all trouble. They don't even believe in science, you know? They're just walking around with no shoes on and drinking poison and holding snakes. And, you know, it's just, that's just what they are. They're just faith people. Well, that's just dumb. It's just dumb. Because, see, we have something to say, and it's not based in fantasy. It's based in reality. It's based in the Bible. It's based in what Jesus is all about. We have something to offer the world, and it's based in truth. See, wisdom comes from truth and trust in a God who loves us and will follow through on every promise that he's ever made to his kids. It's the Jesus stamp, pow, on the promises of God. And look, I could sit here and I could talk and talk and talk about this COVID-19. I could tell you all the data. I could say this, and there's been this, this, that, and the other. And, and look, I don't even know how it's going to go. I don't. And the people that tell you they do, they, they don't either, right? We're all playing with models to kind of predict things, okay? This is what I do know. In Missouri, we have five confirmed cases. That, I mean, that's what's been said. We have five confirmed cases, two in St. Louis, okay? And, and I'm not saying it's not going to get worse. I'm believing in Jesus' name it won't. Will you believe that with me? Okay, I'm believing it won't get bad. Uh, and, and, and so what happens sometimes is like, well, we got to panic. We got to do this. We got to do that. And I get it. But we still serve a God that's more than able. And there's a difference between having five cases. And this is why I'm just trying to bring some reason to us. There's a difference between having five cases in Missouri and having a thousand in Fenton. You see what I'm saying? We handle things differently based on what's going on. And wisdom, of course, would want us to do things. Wisdom would always call us to be smart. I mean, shoot, a team of people spent yesterday scrubbing things I didn't even know we had. <laughs> In order to prepare the space for you because we love you and we care about you and we don't want anything bad to happen to you. But that doesn't change the fact that God is still God, that God is still more than able to deal with this problem. <laughs> He's not cowering in the corner. And I just believe 100% that God wants us as a church to be a place where we stand up and say that we will not allow fear to overwhelm us, that we will stand in faith in a God who is more than able. That is our job. And so I got to deal with my mind because if I don't deal with my mind, if I don't check my mind gauge, what will happen is I'll begin to eke over into the fast lane. I'll begin to eke over into the ditch. I'll stop being in the slow lane because I'll be consumed with fear. Do you see how this is working? And as my spirit gets stronger, I can tell my mind what to do. Number two is the will. Right there in your soul is another part of you called the will. That's where you make choices. Listen to this in Proverbs 2.11. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Wise choices. Well, how do I make wise choices? Well, I got to get what the word says. And if I understand the word, then I can make wise choices. If I understand truth, I can make wise choices. I'm not ignorant. I'm not unaware of what's going on but it doesn't mean that I'm going to conform to everything else around me. It means that I'm going to be a person of faith. Guys, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist and I never played one on TV. I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher of the gospel. And I believe in the gospel. I believe in what the God says. And I know that that makes me crazy to some people. But I just fundamentally believe that we have something to say. That we have something to offer to a world that's faith gauge is going down. 
that people are getting out of alignment and they're starting to swerve all over the road in the chaos that's before us. And God calls us to help people get back on the path, help people get back in the right lane. And so here's the thing I want to say to you about the will. Here's the question. What choice or choices am I making that is increasing my fear and my anxiety? What is it? What choices are you making? And that could be, if you're like me, you know, you like to watch the news. I like news. I'm like kind of a news junkie. But if you watch news too long, man, you'll start, you'll like go crazy. Like everybody's going to try and kill you. I mean, you just, the news will just get all over you. And I love that. You're like, I love the news. I, I even love politics. You know, like, I know, like some of you are like, oh, the politics. Like, I love a good debate. Man, I love it. You guys are just like, I hate those debates. I can't stand. They just get up there and they talk about each other's mamas. And it's just awful. It's just awful. But here's the thing. I love that stuff. I love to watch that stuff. I like the back and forth. I enjoy it, you know. And, and you know, am I the only one? Some of you, some of you may like it. But, but you, I just enjoy that. But, man, if that's all I consume, you know, if all you do is watch like MMA fights all day, you're in trouble. You're going to start thinking things like you're going to be thinking like as you go to the grocery store, how you want to hit the cashier lady. You just you're like, I'm going to I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I said, what am I looking at? What am I consuming? What am I focused on that's creating fear and anxiety in me? And how can I begin to deal with that? How can I check my gauge? And then the last one, and I'll be finished with this. Number three, and this is the third part of my soul, and that is emotions. Emotions. Those are the beliefs, feelings, and even my remembering that are engaged at that point. And and, and how often in our lives do we sometimes allow our emotions, our feelings, to get in the way of what's true? Come on. And so how's your soul? How's your, how's your mind? How's your will? How are your emotions? Here's some questions to ask. Are my thoughts driven by my emotions? Second one. Am I allowing my emotions to stir me up unnecessarily? I think these questions will help you if you ask them. Because I think if you'll check your gauges, you'll spend more time in the slow lane than in the fast lane. You'll spend more time in the slow lane than in the ditch. When you begin to figure out spiritual order and your spirit starts to tell your mind, your will, and your emotions what to do, all of a sudden, you're coming out of the fog. Even when everybody else is in the fog, you're coming out of the fog and you're experiencing a peace that comes from God and not from this world. And it is stable, secure, and it isn't going anywhere. And all you have to do is grab hold of it. Listen to this in Galatians 5, and I'll be done with that. Galatians 5, 19 through 22. Paul, Paul paints a very stark contrast. And I'm just going to paint it for you and be very dramatic about it so you can see what I'm saying. But Paul says there is a difference between living in the fast lane and the slow lane. There's a difference between living in the flesh and in the spirit. There's a difference here, and the results of that are different. Make sense? In other words, if 
I will harvest what I plant. And so if I function in the flesh, if I function in the fast lane, these will be the results. If I function in the slow lane or in the spirit, these will be the results. And he says it this way in verse 9 or 19 of chapter 5. And he does it first with the fast lane or the flesh. He says this. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature or a soul-led life, the results are very Clear, he says. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Whoa. I don't want to have anything to do with that. And this is not an exhaustive list. There are many more things that can show up on that list when we live in the fast lane, when we live in the flesh. All kinds of results that can come from it. And then he shows up and he says, but there's a better way. I love it when the church or when when the Bible gives us a but. Because it provides a contrast. Watch this. He says, let me tell you this again, because I've told you it before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He goes on and says in verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Listen, love, joy, peace. (laughs) Peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. Self-control allows me to create order. You see what's happening here? He's, he's, He's saying that if you'll stay in this lane, this is what you can have. But if you go over into this lane, if you get out of order and you start moving, the other things are available as well. And I tell you, my hope and prayer for us today is as we look around the world and as we deal with the things that we're dealing with, we should be smart, we should be wise, all that. But we should never forget. We should never forget that our God, he's not surprised. He's not caught off guard. He's not sitting there wringing his hands, wondering what he's going to do. Our God is more than able to deal with what's happening in our world. And if you're doubting that today, I'm asking you to check your gauges. I'm asking you to look at what's there and begin to filter all of that through the word of God so that you can get back in alignment and begin to drive straight in the slow lane so that you can experience the abundant life that God has for you. Come on. You want some of that? You want some of that? All right, let me pray for you. God, I thank you. I thank you for each person in this room. I know that they're here not because, uh, not because they have to be. They're here because they need a word from you. And uh, God, I pray that you spoke to them today. Whatever it is that you were trying to say to them, Lord, that that would go deep into their hearts. But Lord, more than anything, I just believe right now, right now, that you're, the, the, the faith dials are, are, are moving up. If, if you want your faith dial to move up today, I want to pray for you. God, I thank you so much for every person here. They're here for a reason. 
They're here to see that faith dial go up in their lives. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that that would begin to happen. God, as they're reminded of all that you have done, God, they're reminded of the fact that you are the great healer. You are the prince of peace. You are a wonderful counselor. You are imminent. You are close. You are transcendent. You are far above. But yet, God, you are so involved. God, would you remind us again that our joy comes from you. It doesn't come from anything else. God, I pray your protection over this church. I pray your protection over this house and every house associated with it. Every family member, everybody, God, would be protected from this disease. We trust you, Lord. But God, we commit today that we will not cower in fear. We will reject it outright. And we will raise our faith and stand when everybody else isn't. You call us to be a place of hope. You call us to be a, a house of faith. And so, Lord, we're going to do our best. And I pray that you would help everybody here continue to see things the way that you see them. Help us, God, to live by faith. You know, the Bible says that I can't, I can't even get to peace if I've not met the Prince of Peace. Like, I, my, I have to be redeemed if any of these things are going to be true. And so I don't know where you are today, and I don't know your story, but if there's any doubt in your mind that you've been redeemed, well, let's just, let's just do something about that today. There's no, no point to live separated from God. You're his kid. He loves you. Come on home. You know, the Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus will come in right now, he'll not only save you, therefore justifying you, he will begin to transform you. And so right now, if that's, if that's your story, if you, if, that, if you don't have that relationship, I want to invite you to say yes to God today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three just as a way to indicate your desire here. And I just want to be able to pray for you. I'm not going to point you out or anything. I just want to pray for you. And so if that's you today, on the count of three, go ahead and raise your hand up. One, two, three. Go ahead. God bless you. Good. God bless you. Others? Don't wait. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Okay. All right, church. We're going to all pray together. If you did raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer, but we're all going to pray with you and just in unity. Nobody's going to pray alone. But let's just pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you be my Savior? Will you redeem me? Will you be my Lord? I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today?